prepare your ears, humans. Happy, sad, confused begins now. Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, Katrina Balf returns to her roots with the new film, Belfast. Hey guys, Josh Horowitz here with another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. And yes, Katrina is back, guys. I know you've been clamoring for it for a while. You Outlander fans, you... It's, fan doesn't, doesn't even begin to describe you guys. You devotees, you're obsessives. I love you all. Well, finally, she's back. And uh, a lot to talk about. We're so happy for Katrina Balf around here because... Her new movie is fantastic. You've heard the buzz. Maybe you've seen it by, by now. If not, you've read about it. You know Belfast is one of the most beloved films of the year, very much in the awards conversation, uh, directed by Kenneth Branagh. It is a telling, a somewhat, somewhat loose telling of his own childhood in Belfast, uh, seen through his eyes, the child's eyes. Jamie Dornan and Katrina play the parents. Kieran Hines and Judy Dench are the grandparents. Um, they're all being talked about for awards, and rightfully so. This is a charming, nostalgic, wistful movie of a different time. It's shot in gorgeous black and white. It really celebrates um, our love of movies and how movies made an impact on young Ken Brana as a kid. I love that part of it. Um, and it's just, uh, it, 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 I haven't met somebody that hasn't really responded to this movie. So that is the reason why it won the Audience Award at Toronto, and it continues to be talked about, and I just know it's going to get a slew of nominations, and perhaps one for our beloved Katrina, which would be amazing. Um, there's not a nicer person around, and I always love chatting with her. This was a great excuse to catch up about what she, she's been up to this last year, which is, of course shooting Belfast, shooting another season of Outlander, uh, having a child. <laughs> a lot's happened in Katrina's life, so a lot to catch up on, plus her comfort movie. So I know you guys are going to dig this chat. This is her second time on the podcast, and um, it's just great to catch her in this really exciting moment. Speaking of catching her in a cool moment, this was taped, I believe it was the day after the Los Angeles premiere, and just a few days after the premiere they had in Belfast itself, which, as you can imagine, must have been very emotional and special. So, um, yeah, great moment to chat with Katrina, and I'm glad it happened. I know you guys have been asking for it for a while. Well, here it is. Um, hope you guys in the States had a great Thanksgiving. Hope everybody is doing well as the weather turns, as we gear up for the holidays and maybe some time off. Um, a lot going on, a lot of great movies and TV to catch up on. I myself, look, I, I do this for my living, guys, and I am so far behind on so many movies and TV shows. So um, I have lots of quote unquote work to do in that respect. Um, thankfully, I've also been talking to some great folks for MTV and Comedy Central. Um, let's see, I do want to mention that I have a great, fun, special sketch with uh, Haley Steinfeld coming very soon to Comedy Central. Uh, she is, of course, starring not only in Dickinson, um, but in Hawkeye, the new uh, Disney Plus show. So this uh, sketch is very much on the Hawkeye side of things, so you Marvel fans will very much appreciate it. We had a blast. Um, only the second in-person sketch I've done in quite some time. Of course, Sam Hewen did one a few weeks back, and now Haley, I know you guys are going to dig it. Um, what else can I tease? I'm going to be moderating some really cool things soon. I'll, I'll announce those when I can here in New York. It's that season of, of uh, kind of tastemaker events and, and SAG events when there are all these Q&As. Hopefully some of these will be available to be made public as well. 
Um, one thing that is public that I have announced um, is my event with Tom Hiddleston. So if you don't know, guys, I have been doing an annual benefit for Happy Sad Confused, or I guess a version of Happy Sad Confused, the last two years. Last year was with Katrina Belf, actually. This year's is with Tom Hiddleston. So on December 16th at 4 p.m. Eastern, Tom and I are going to catch up for an hour over Zoom, and you guys are cordially invited. Um, the link is in the show notes here, or just go to the Symphony Space website. Uh, they are the ones kind of putting it together on their in their digital platform. It's not an in-person event, which means, uh, sadly, you won't see us in person, but on the good side, anyone can attend. And not only that, if you can't be there live, you will be able to view this if you purchase a ticket for the next five or six days after. I think it's through December 22nd. Great holiday gift, great um, gift to yourself. So hopefully you guys will enjoy that. Me and Tom Hiddleston, one of our favorites, an hour-long deep dive conversation about his career, about life, about Loki, about anything and everything that pops into my brain. So I uh, hope you guys enjoy that. Again, the info is in the show notes. That's the only other thing I wanted to mention. Let's get right to the big conversation today. Check out Belfast when you can. It's a special one, and I hope you guys enjoy this new chat with Katrina Buff. It's so good to see you as always, even in a silly Zoom screen on my computer. Uh, congratulations on the film. This movie is remarkable. Um, you've just come off of two ginormous premieres. Los Angeles, I believe, last night. Uh-huh. And Belfast, Belfast a few days ago. Um, yeah. Give me, give me the 411. Give me the, the short version. What's a, what's a Belfast premiere for Belfast like? Oh man, it was super emotional. I think for everybody. Um, obviously, Ken, Jamie, and Kieran and Jude are all you know pretty much from Belfast, so it was very emotional for them. I'm from an hour and a half down the road, which I was reminded on Thursday very much about how far away that was and how I'm not actually, you know, it was almost like I was from Mars. <laughs> <laughs> when I was visiting Belfast, um, I'm like, I'm literally an hour and a half away. Um, but my mum, uh, that was the first premiere she's ever come to with me. Um, so my mum was there. So it was really special, very emotional for me too. And, you know, a lot of my, you know, our, my family story and my story is very, very different from Ken's. And this is very much Ken's personal story in a way. But I think there's many parallels that I can draw, even though the circumstances are very different. And so there's a lot of my mom in, in my performance. There's a lot of my family's sort of story in there too. And, and so it, yeah, it felt really, it felt really special. Let, and then little, LA, I was yeah. like, I, I, I lived here. So many of my close friends came um, and it was, it was pretty cool. Jamie Dornan did a, a, a musical number. I saw um, which Went up social media. Yeah. yeah. So it was really fun last night. Really good. So let's contextualize sort of where this came, because as I recall, I spoke to you, I think it was like very soon after you wrapped the shooting of, of this film at the end of mm -hmm. last year. And my <laughs> sense was you were, this couldn't have come at a better time. I mean, obviously, you know, special projects come around and you never know when they're going to fit, if they're going to fit into the schedule. Obviously, given the last couple of years, it was a crazy year in 2020. It sounded like you were going a little stir crazy, maybe. And you you needed you needed something like this. Is it fair to say this one was a godsend? 
Oh, 100%. Um, yeah, you know, when Ken talks about how on the 23rd of March he started writing the script and, you know, he was then filming in July, August, um, that's somebody who was very productive with their time. Uh, I was perhaps not as productive <laughs> with my lockdown. I, you know, I struggled. I, I really did. I think, you know, I think probably, I, you know, the last couple of years of my life have been very regimented with work and, you know, I haven't had a lot of downtime anyway, but any downtime you do have, you kind of have all of these things that you want to achieve and you want to fill it up with. And for me, a lot of that is travel and, and seeing right. friends and, you know, filling in the the sort of empty vessel of my life when you sort of spend so much time on set and so then to be forced into this sort of uh, trapped in your apartment I mean look I, I understand a lot of people had very tough times and my little uh, existential crisis is is my own selfish and very luxurious thing to have but it did like I, I mentally I, I, I struggled you know those yeah. those first few months and and you know I should have been shooting so this project would never there was no way I would have ever been able to do this had there not been a lockdown had we not been on hiatus uh, an enforced hiatus on Outlander so somehow the stars aligned yeah. you know I got a phone call from my agent it was like Ken Branagh has written this script set in Belfast these are the people who are attached and you're you know your jaw kind of just keeps falling and yeah you know, would, would you read it and would you get in a call with him? And you're like, yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it, it was, it was, a, it was a gift and it was the gift that just has kept on giving. I mean, we had such a blast on that film. I have made friends that I know I'm going to have for life on that film. Um, it was just really special. So cool. I, yeah. And I could keep talking, but we have more questions. <laughs> well, let's, let, let's let's talk about some of the new friends that you made because um, we we both love and adore Mr. Kenneth Branagh, who is as uh, sweet and smart as he is talented, a filmmaker. Um, what was your reference point for Ken Branagh? Like, was it as an actor? Was it as a filmmaker? Like, what did you think of first when you thought of Kenneth Branagh prior to this? Definitely more uh, an actor. I mean, I've, I've I've definitely seen quite a few of his films that he has directed, but... I mean, I, I don't think you can grow up in Ireland or the UK without knowing him as an incredible, incredible actor. Um, you know, from Peter's Friends, you know, Frankenstein, all, you know, it, he's just part of the fabric of your life. You know, it's like one of those things. It's, it's the same with Judy Dench. It's like, is there one thing you can name? No, because it's all of it. It's right. And it's all sort of always been there and feels like it always will be. So... Um, and, you know, also Kieran Hines, who I had met before because in a true Irish fashion, he's one of my good friends, cousins, um, but, you know, Kieran, somebody I've seen him on, on stage in New York. Um, I've seen him in countless different, uh, productions and he's always amazing. And he is one of the most beautiful, gentle souls, um, he's a poet in his heart, you know, for sure. Like uh, we've just come from a couple of different uh, Q and A's and press conferences and I could just sit and listen to Kieran all day. He's just such a, a lyrical, uh, yeah, just gentleman. Um, well, when he of all the actors involved in this, um, it's exciting to see uh, like a light 
shined on him. He's one of these character actors that I feel like everybody who knows, like knows that like this guy always delivers, but like yeah. this kind of plum part for him in this kind of a film. Um, and he I'm does. Sure, he I hope he's enjoying the moment. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, I think we're all, we've all sort of, we're, you know, it's a very small cast, but we have all real, really bonded um, in a really special way. And, and, and I think, we're so proud of each other and as an ensemble, you know, it, it, everyone's sort of been appreciated. And I think that, you know, we're just all proud of each other and proud of this project and, and yeah. have sort of a gratitude to Ken that he allowed us to join this beautiful little special train that's chewing along so uh that's a terrible analogy but no, anyway. no it works um, <laughs> no no if, if there's an if there's an actor in this cast that i have pegged as an outlander fan it's obviously dame judy dench she of course no she doesn't <laughs> watch film or tv which is quite genius and it was jamie dornan who prized that out of her um we really? were watching maybe that's the secret to being so cool just to like she is i mean she is the coolest like really is the coolest. Kieran was talking about it today. We had one of the first days we we all, Ken got Judy, Kieran, Jamie and myself in a room to sort of just chat. And she walked in with this tiger mask and like just the coolest array of jewelry. And you're just like, she is the most ageless, bright light. I don't know how else to describe her, but she just is she's she's just the coolest person i mean yeah so but yeah she doesn't watch tv and she doesn't watch movies wow. i think then, it, okay. she says that bambi uh gumbo and this snow white and the seven dwarfs when she was a child terrified her so much and broke her heart so much that she swore off films for the rest of her life at least she didn't swear off um, acting in them. Acting in them, right? <laughs> yeah. um, I guess some attention should be paid to, you have a, a bad luck of a lot of charisma vacuum male co-stars in your in your life. Um, and Jamie Jamie Dornan just just continues. I mean, somebody please teach him some charm or, or something, <laughs> please. <laughs> so um, we jest, of course, we, we adore Jamie, who is... Um, sweet and funny and just so winning in this film um barb and star i was already like uh, on the barb and star train with him this past year and now it's to see to see this back to back just like okay this is the breadth of an actor right there um, i watched barb and star uh about a month and a half ago with my sister and i was just texting i was like seagull in the sand <laughs> <laughs> now which like, which character can never unsee huh? oh yeah yeah which character is closer to the Jamie you know, the character in this film or the character in Barb and Star? I mean, he is an amalgamation of both, really. <laughs> there, he is, you know, I think that's what's so lovely about Jamie. He has such integrity, I think, as a human. Um, he is a really solid, so, you know, gentle man. And then on the flip of that, he's a ridiculous person. <laughs> like... <laughs> you know, goofy and yeah, um, and we all torture him. No one more so than Jude Hill tortures Jamie, which is very funny to watch. <laughs> 
I mean, it reminds me of another uh, mutual friend of ours and in many of the ways you're describing him. Maybe, well, maybe and their some... birthday is only a day apart. Is that right? That yeah, they yeah. are. They, they, they really do share a certain, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Like an aura or, a, or well, there's, there's an essence to them that is very similar. Yeah, 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 totally. I mean, and they're and they're both thankfully willing to um, to make fun of themselves, and I appreciate Very that. We both appreciate so. that. Yeah. So, so talk to me a little bit about. Okay, so you, you this this wonderful gift of of, of a role comes in uh, drops in your lap, and when you needed it the most, you get on set. Does it feel? I mean, you know, these are all the cliche questions, but it's. But I'm curious how it felt. Like, I mean, how it felt, particularly where you were in your life at this point. Did it feel unique those first couple of days, especially given that you'd been cooped up for all of those months? Was the marriage of the material, the actors, and the context of this whole world we were living in, did it make the production that much different, you think? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think sometimes on a project, there's, you get this little bit of magic, you know, that happens. And it really felt like, that and you know Ken was talking earlier today and he's he's so clever but you know we started on a Thursday I think and he was like I always like to start on a Thursday because everyone feels like if it's a Monday then it's like oh we're starting on Monday but if we start on Thursday it's like oh we're just gonna do a couple of scenes and then we'll come we'll have a weekend and then we'll really start the next week oh that's so funny um and on our first day of actual shooting he kind of led us all to believe that these were just little camera tests. So there was a couple of things he had me doing solo. I think one is like peeling potatoes outside the door and sitting outside and drinking. And then they ended up in the film, but when you're doing them, you're just like, Oh, we're just camera testing. So he eases you in, in a very relaxed way. and, And he makes sure that the set has a beautiful relaxed feeling. And he, especially on this project, because he was able to do it exactly as he wanted you know it was very much his film there was no as far as I know there was no studio involved in that at that point there was nothing so he was doing it exactly how he wanted so everyone in the crew were people he had worked with before there was a family atmosphere sort of instantaneously um and so very early obviously I was incredibly intimidated and scared shitless before I got there but very soon you know he just sort of put everybody at ease and you kind of feel like oh whatever I'm doing he seems happy with it so you just I he gives you that innate confidence very early on and makes you feel like you're the right person in the right place at the right time and and, you know, we all sort of I think felt that way and it just there was a there was a joy I think we were all just so happy to be at work yeah. um and also not not only that but be working on something that was so special you know i want to talk about some of like the, the themes that i think are going to resonate with folks in this because i think one of the beauties of a film like this is though it is so specific and clearly inspired by ken's childhood um you know i found watching it a ton of different aspects that really just resonated with me um it's it's very much from a child's perspective um, Buddy's perspective. I love kind of like kind of the glimpses of the parents and kind of like you, you recall, I'm sure we all recall this, right? Like those kind of like out of earshot conversations mm-hmm. 
that the, the, that that kind of like sense of they're fighting. What are they fighting about? What are the issues? I mean, do, does that resonate with you when you think back to your own childhood? Do you think back to like those shifts, like when you started to view your parents as actual full-blooded human beings and not just these deities? <laughs> Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I think one of the things he's been able to do so well in the film is is capture that sort of loss of innocence, you know, and what that means to a child and the process of going through that. I mean, it's so palpable when you watch the film. And I think we all have experienced that in one way or another, you know, in our own circumstances. And definitely, you know, I think there was a lot of introspection and you know looking back and and sort of looking back on my own childhood and things that were happening and um you can't help but do that and I you know I, I doing sort of my research for this was was strange because on one hand I was doing a lot of watching interviews of women from the north of Ireland especially in this time I mean there's a wealth of interviews online and um sort of the weight of all of that was one part of it but then the other part of it was very personal and just thinking a lot about sort of my childhood and my parents and my mom and stuff like that so it was yeah it was uh it was it was a funny one it sort of snuck up on you as you were doing it as well you know so what did, what did mom say after she saw it I mean, i'm sure she's heard you say that it's partially, at least, it has to be partially inspired by her. Did she see that in the performance? And was she honored or horrified or excited? <laughs> or I think, well, first of all, the first thing she said was that she didn't want the film to end, which I think is one of the sweetest things. You know, my, my parents wouldn't be cinephiles and they've definitely gone to things I've done before. And I know my mom has fallen asleep a lot during things before. And my dad has sort of dismissed things I've done before. So um, it was really lovely to hear her, A, that she stayed awake through the whole thing and <laughs> that she wanted more of it. So that was good. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think she, I think my mom has a good, a good ability to laugh at herself too. And I, I'm sure she recognized some of those uh, threats that uh, might've <laughs> snuck out of my mouth. And, you know, she's, she's always been someone whose bark was bigger than her bite. So, you know, she had, she had many, many children. She had to corral us somehow. So <laughs> one, one other aspect I really appreciate about the relationship between your character and Jamie's is, I mean, these are two people that really love each other. It's a loving relationship as is, as is the uh, Kieran and Judy relationship um, where the obstacle is more of just, it's life. It's just like life gets, is, life is complicated. Shit gets complicated yeah. <laughs> and it's hard. It's just hard to, to make it work. And sometimes in movies, like we need like the salacious affair and the, the big thing over here and that or whatever. And like sometimes more often, probably in life. Of life. You know, I, there's a couple of scenes that I just love so much. You know, the, the, the rent book scene with, with a little Jude is so good, but you know that, that has a repercussion for the next phone call that, you know, Ma's going to have with Pa. And, um, you know, when we talked with Ken, you know, he, the way he talks about his parents or even the way he wrote about them, or Ma and Pa in the script was the empathy he had for both of them. Neither of them are perfect. You know, both of them have, they do really stupid things and, you know, they do things that make life worse for each other. But 
but there was no judgment there, which I thought was really beautiful. It's just two people trying to muddle through who really do love each other. But at the same point, as you said, like shit is really hard. And, and, you know, what I loved also, the men are, are, are such stand up good men in their heart in this film, but the, the, the honoring of the women as well was really beautiful in this. And, and, you know, it's very tough, I'm sure for Pa to go off and work and leave his family. And that must be heartbreaking, but you know, being left and and bearing the brunt of the child rearing and the managing of the household and all of those things, you know, and it wasn't dismissed. It wasn't kind of like, and she's just a wife or, and right. she's just a mother. There it, it, it was a real acknowledgement of, of the enormity of all of that. And I, I think that was just so beautiful. And I love that scene where Pa thanks her. And and that I mean that scene I, I get goosebumps because I I just think that that and Jamie was so incredible in 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 that scene as well and it's just it's it's very simple and it's such a short scene and and, and it, but in its simplicity you know the weight of that was really beautiful. Yeah. It's it's a dead giveaway on my podcast uh, to see how much of the time and the conversation is actually spent talking about the project uh, in, in terms of how much I actually appreciate it. And we've spent more than half of the conversation talking about Belfast. I adore this movie and everybody oh, in it. So, so congratulations. I do want to talk about some other stuff, including, as you know, I hit you up about your comfort movie. We've been talking yes. comfort movies. Um, <laughs> this is weird because in the year and a half I've been doing this, no Audrey Hepburn movies. And then last week, Zossie Bates chose Breakfast at Tiffany's and you have now succeeded it with another Audrey Hepburn movie. Katrina, what's your pick? (laughs) My pick is Funny Face. I mean, you you gave me a list of things that have been already chosen. I'm not going to lie. No, but this is one. Audrey Hepburn movies, you know, Breakfast at Tiffany's, Funny Face. They are ones that I will return to uh, time and time again. And Funny Face is just... If I'm sick, this is definitely going to be played Um, because it just is like a warm blanket for some reason. Um, Is this this genre generally something that you're attracted to or is it the specific setting, the actors, the music? Like what what is it if you had in a nutshell, what are those aspects? Well, I think Audrey Hepburn has, you know, she's just got such a magical quality. Um, And this film, it's, you know, it's kind of ridiculous <laughs> in many ways, um, but there's something about, and I'm not really into musicals at all. It's not really my jam, right. um, which makes this a strange choice. But at the same point, there's something because of the time this is set in, you know, it feels, I don't know, it feels like it should be a musical. Like there's there's that kind of quality to it. You know, I, if I am going to watch a musical, I, I like those MGM Technicolor kind. You know, I'm not into really the right. modern stuff. It, it gets too cringy for me usually. <laughs> well, this is, I mean, look, just to give folks some context, it, this does have the right pedigree. This is directed by Stanley Donnan, who of course also did Singing in the Rain. It's got the songs from the Gersh- George and Ira Gershwin, um, oh, Fred Astaire. Or- Yes. Amazing. Of course, Fred Astaire, who, by the way, telling, especially of, the, of those times playing, I think he's 31 years senior to Audrey. Oh, I know he's, he's ancient and she's like 17 or something, which is <laughs> very questionable, but 
you know, the whole thing, it's I, what I just love the ridiculousness of this kind of like Vogue shoot coming into this bookstore and absolutely taking over and not listening, you know, to this poor young woman who's sort of like trying to uh, somehow command the space that she is in charge of. Um, and, and, you know, and it's, it's, it's got like, I guess maybe because of my <laughs> prior life, you know, the fashion, I was gonna say, sure, Paris, yeah. um, all of those things, maybe that's why it hits me in such a place too. But like, you know, when they go to Paris and they go to this jazz club and, and then she does that dance in the black polo neck and the black, you know, cigarette pencil trousers. And it's, it's so of that time, but it's yeah. such a, it's, it's the real Hollywoodized version of that time. I don't know. It's just, it's just, it's, great, it's just such a gorgeous film. It's a great pick. I'll have, you know, I, I Googled you and funny face just to see if you talked about it before uh-huh. and you, and I hadn't I like. found anything, but I did find the first two of the first three photos that come up for Katrina Ball funny face are photos that we've taken together. So no there's, ir- there's irony <laughs> for you. <laughs> it is meant to be kismet. There you go. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so let's talk a little, a little outlander since we last spoke, you, you did shoot season six. We did. Um, and you were, you, I remember again, you were wondering what it would feel like, like, I mean, cause so much of that set is a social environment. That's half the fun maybe mm-hmm. of, of working there. Were you able to enjoy in the same way you were able to enjoy the previous seasons or was it a much different kind of environment? It was very different this season. You know, I, I'll still say we enjoyed it, but um, you know, the difference is when we were shooting Belfast, it was the height of summer. We were outside for 90% of the time, I would say. Um, so the wearing of masks and the socially distancing in the kind of halcyon days of summer are very different than in the depths of winter. Yeah. Um, and being in the studio a lot. Also, I was pregnant, which was a whole other new level to <laughs> the discomfort or the the just kind of weirdness of, of shooting again. Um, you know, we didn't, our writers didn't want to shoot or didn't see how to shoot a season of Outlander making it COVID friendly. So we right. sort of went ahead and shot it as we would another season, except with a lot of COVID protocols sort of around around our, our you know set and story so we had to be really really strict because we weren't you know I, I know some shows were sort of reducing the amount of people and we did a little bit of that where we could but you know you can't really shoot Outlander without sort of having a bit of the scope of of community and all of those things um, so you know it was it was strange it was like you know you're driving and you're like normally you know, when you're moving from set to set or you're going from your base camp to set, you'd have a car full of like your costumer, your makeup artist, right. your driver, your, you, you know, yourself. And there's there's always chat. There's always, you know, like life and vibrancy and all of those things. And as a cast, we would always hang out in big groups. And, right. you know, that all kind of had to, it was weird, you know, having separate tents next to each other and you're supposed to just sit in your tent by yourself and you're just like oh this feels really super weird <laughs> texting sam what's going on in your tent yeah. how are you <laughs> like what, what do you have this is weird um but you know I, that's that's kind of how it felt in the beginning but you get used to these things you know we all adapt yeah. and 
it was important. It was important that we got everybody back to work and, um, and we did, and we managed to get through the entire season without having any COVID in our shooting uh, on, our, on our set. I mean, in the periphery, there was some, you know, in, in sort of like the props and the builders and that kind right, of stuff. Right. But like actually on set, we managed to make it through. In terms of obviously the end of season five left Claire in a very emotional, I mean, it, was, it can't, can't be get more intense than the way that season uh, ended. Is there, is there some relief, hopefully in some way for Claire this season? I mean, on the emotional turmoil scale of one to 10, how's Claire doing <laughs> in season six? I mean, it's not a, it's not a quick fix, um, yeah. which is what I really, you know, what I wanted. I mean, I think, we've always seen Claire sort of rebound very quickly. And one of the things that, you know, as the writers we talked about and, um, and you know, Diana has, has sort of laid this foundation for us was that it takes time to get over uh, an incident like that. And yeah. it has destabilized Claire in a way that she's never been before because her coping mechanism is no longer serving her. You know, I think she's always been able to compartmentalize things, put it in a box and shelve it. And, um, you know, this is too big of a tragic event to be able to do that. So she has to, in a way, learn a new way of healing. And, you know, I appreciated the way that it's been dealt with. And I appreciate the, the journey I've been able to take her on this season. Um, you know, obviously there's new people who come to the Ridge and they have an influence on that as well. Um, but I think, you know, even though it's a truncated show this season, it's only eight episodes, I think it's really strong. And, and we've continued as well to sort of play around with um, how we deal with things stylistically, which I think is really interesting. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for it to come out. I'm excited to see it. I, I've, I've seen one episode so far. Um, they very kindly sent me three and gave me 24 hours to watch it. And I was like, I've got a one month old. What's wrong yeah, with you people? There's a lot going on. <laughs> um, not going to happen. So I've only seen the first episode, which is great. But uh, yeah, I'm excited to see the rest of it. And the, la the last thing on the Outlander front is obviously you mentioned eight episodes for the season six. Um, next season is not going to be so small. It's going to be the biggest, I think, yeah. since, since since season, season one. one. Or, right? Yeah. Um, and you've obviously got a lot going on in your life now. Uh -huh. Um, how are you, I mean, are you starting to see scripts? Are you looking forward to getting back to work or are you, I mean, it's, again, this is, you're in a different place and this is a lot, it's a big workload. Yeah. It's always a big workload. It's going to be bigger than ever. Well, at three 30 this morning, when I was feeding my son, I got an email with the first two scripts. Uh, and I started, I mean, you have to look at your phone to keep yourself awake. Um, so I started reading the first episode and, and then, you know, I, I was, my eyes were getting crossed, but I'll have to look at that at another time. But, uh, yeah, so that's the first two apps have been, they're in my inbox. Okay. Um, so it's exciting. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're getting, we're gearing up to to get back at it. So um, we'll see. It's definitely going to be a tough one. I mean, yeah, it, it's, we'll be shooting for an entire year. So, wow. you know, I think we're, we're all in the words of Dougal McKenzie, we're going to gird our loins and uh, <laughs> get ready. Cause you know, we'll have to dig deep, I think for sure. Um, yeah. 
by the by the like eighth hour of Sam just talking about episode nine of Men in Kilts and what a great time he was having. <laughs> yeah. just, just just tell him to shut up. Just tell him to te- text Josh uh, and shut up. He'll probably be on his seventh almanac at that point. You exactly. know, he's written seven books while he's waiting between he's takes. Like, like, he's, got, oh, he's like Oprah. He's got a publishing he, he's, empire. He's, an energizing energizer bunny you know those little things that just never stop beating the drum Uh, i'm like where do you get your energy from and please send some this way please well you you were kind enough to do a little uh little cameo and i'm not sure when this is airing but maybe folks can can see your little cameo in a sam sketch very soon um thank you for that yes uh that 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 uh, was we we spent a lot of time on that i hope (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a plus it's perfect it's perfect um uh, let's end with a, a couple questions from uh, my listeners who wanted to know uh one thing uh, gail santos wanted to know is about your producing um we've talked about this before wanted to know uh, uh how's the script for here's the beehive coming along would you and would you like to do live theater on broadway at some point I mean, yes, theater, 100%. Please, somebody <laughs> help me make that happen. I mean, I would love to do a play, absolutely. Um, but, you know, those things are, I think you've to, you know, it's 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 hard to make those things happen, but hopefully maybe one day we will. Yeah, um, producing talking about my, your, your year-long commitment to Outlander might get in the way. Exactly, you know, I'm like, yeah, in 2025, maybe. Right, right. Um, yeah, on the production side, you know, things are tricking along, tricking along, trucking along. Um, I, uh, <laughs> um, we're still in script development at the moment with Beehive, um, but it's, you know, it's going well, I think. Um, again, you know, I think the thing with uh, people knowing what you're, what you have in development is they expect things to sort of happen overnight. And these, these are very long drawn out processes when, especially when you've got other stuff going on. Um, But I'm really enjoying it. And it's really, it's really exciting to sort of, you know, shepherd something from its infancy and, and sort of um, it's also, it's a steep learning curve, you know, about how to, um to figure out what it is that you want to do and how to achieve that you know it's I think as an actor you're so used to coming in at the last minute and um you know being the being the you know being the sort of master of ceremonies in a way is is a much more difficult job than it looks um but I'm but I'm really enjoying it and there's a couple of other things that I have in development um that are also trucking along very nicely. So. <laughs> Nailed it. We, we, we won't, won't mention those by name, so that way I won't ask you about it in the next five exactly. conversations. Then I, won't, then I won't have uh, this pressure of other people being like, so what is happening with that? And I'm like, I'm not procrastinating. It's just, it takes time. Give, give this lady a break. She is bringing life into the world and bringing great uh, entertainment into the world. Um, <laughs> um, I'm so happy with the, uh, for you in all respects. Congratulations on, on all the family developments, but uh, also... Thank you for um, this amazing performance. I really adore oh, this movie. Thank you, Josh. Thank you so I much. I don't know anybody that's seen it that feels otherwise. And I know it's going to be a, a long, exciting road for it. And um, I'm there for you. The, every stop on the on the truck, the truck train, <laughs> the train track. What are we? What's our analogy today? I don't know. I don't know what all these transport analogies are. I, I mean, don't know. We're we're both drunk. I don't, yeah. Well, you have, you have a baby. I don't know what my excuse is for being a punk drunk. Um, go get some rest. I'll see you soon. And thank you as always. Thank you so much. Always lovely chatting to you. And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. 
Remember to review, rate and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. Ha <laughs> ha